Oh, hello. Fancy seeing you here on a Monday morning, but glad you could join us. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, we will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their businesses to success in an ever-competitive business climate. So pour yourself a hot cup and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have a very special guest, Spike Cohen. He is an entrepreneur, business owner, podcaster, and the 2020 Libertarian Party candidate for vice president. In addition, he has over 20 years of combined experience in leadership and effective messaging. He started his first business in his teens and is now running to promote his running, his running mate, Joe Jorgensen, and her platform of common sense libertarian solutions to the problems we faced, most of which were created or made worse by the Republicans and Democrats in government. Spike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Lance. And uh, frankly, it's almost all of them have been created by Republicans. I would agree. But, but I appreciate your introduction, and I'm, I'm really happy to be on Inside the Firm. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Uh, well, why don't you start things off uh, by telling us about how you learned web design at the age of 16, and then how that led to you building your first business? So the short answer is I looked up how to do web design. I mean, this was a totally different time. HTML, uh, uh, this was even just the beginning of style sheets. For those who know web design, this was basic, basic stuff. My first, the, uh, my first websites were made with text editors that I, you know, and I uploaded the code to, uh, on it with an FTP program. Like, I mean, this was basic, basic, you know, initial web design stuff. And what led me to getting into web design was um, my, my parents used to have me do work on the summers. Uh, to be able to, you know, learn the, the value of money and that things have a price and, you know, the, the, the importance of being smart with your money and, and, you know, having a work ethic and all that. And the big thing I learned from that was I never wanted to work for someone else. And so, you know, because I would do these jobs and I'd have people who were literally twice my age doing the same job as me. And I thought, oh, I don't want that to be me. I don't want to keep, you know, still be doing this in my 20s, 30s. 40s and so forth. And so I looked for a job that would allow me to start working then. I wouldn't have to, you know, worry about going to school for many years and running up tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in student debt or, or you know, anything like that. And, you know, waiting many years before I could even enter whatever market I wanted. I wanted something that other than just a regular business license, I didn't have to get additional special licensing for or anything like that. And I wanted something that was disruptive and new and web design was it. Uh, most business, it was so disruptive that most of my clients didn't even know what a website was before I came in their, uh, their door, uh, with my laptop to show them, you know, what I could do for them. And so for the first almost year, um, I was making websites for free or next to nothing, you know, reimbursing me for my costs. Um, you know, I'd tell people, Hey, would you like a, a you know, a, would you like a website for your business? And they go, what's a website? And I'd say, something I'm giving to you for free. Would you like it? Nice. And, uh, or, you know, just the cost of their domain name or, or whatever. And over time I was able to make, uh, I, I, I uh, went to many different types of businesses so I could have a nice diverse portfolio of different clients. And uh, so I put all that together and within a couple of years, uh, within really within a year, I was able to actually charge pretty close to market value uh, for my services. And uh, I, I eventually grew that into something where I was pretty much just doing the sales of my packages and then having others do the, do the work on it. And I grew it into a, a fairly successful business. And uh, that's how I got into it. It is, uh, I, I never regret doing it. I'm, I'm really glad I did it. Um, I'm not a, uh, uh, I, as a matter of necessity, I learned 
code and I learned JavaScripting and I learned CSS and I learned, you know, all the different things related to web design. And then as it got more and more, uh, you know, uh, developed uh, and mature, I learned mobile responsive and I learned, you know, uh, uh, even for that search engine optimization and uh, social media and all of that stuff. Um, but I naturally am a salesperson and a, uh, you know, and a, and a delegator and a, and a leader. And so I, I very quickly worked myself into a role where others were doing the, the actual techie part of it. And I was basically just managing it and, uh, and selling packages to people. Very cool. That's, that's much like me. My, I, you know, I had to work. Um, I, I grew up uh, fairly poor. So that for, I don't know if you were the same, but that's kind of where it came for me was, you know, putting in that kind of work ethic and getting it done. Uh, we weren't poor, but I was, I was definitely working class. We were middle class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. T- tell me about the market value a little bit. That's one thing I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with, especially when they go off their own is how do, how do, how do, how do I determine what my service or my product is worth? And obviously the market, if, if you're a free market person like us, you understand that, well, whatever the market decides, right. but how, do, how did you come to that conclusion at such a young age? Cause I don't even know if you, maybe you were even into libertarianism or the free market at that point. No, I wasn't. I didn't know any of that. I, uh, I was very much, um, I've always been liberty minded. Um, uh, even during my brief time that I was a neocon when, when I first discovered politics, I actually had one of the worst takes on it possible. I was a neocon. I believe we needed to spread democracy and freedom with the military and the whole thing. Um, but even me personally, I was still very liberty minded. I didn't think the government should be telling me what to do. I thought it should be telling other people what to do, just not me. Um, but, and, and that's matured over time where I believe government really shouldn't be telling anyone what to do. Um, and so, but no, in, in that time, so market value, like you said, market value is essentially the market deciding what something is worth. And the short answer is it's worth whatever the purchasers uh, and the consumers say it's worth. Um, and uh, so it really comes down to them. My, you know, I didn't even really have the term market value in my head. I just recognized that I was a teenager who was selling a product that 90% of my clients either hadn't heard of or didn't really know much about. They might've heard of websites, but that was sort of this thing that nerdy tech people did. And it wasn't really anything for their restaurant, their hotel, their real estate company, their whatever, you know, their, their tattoo shop, their, you know, whatever they were doing, that wasn't for them. That was for other people. Uh, and so I recognized that me as a kid showing up with my laptop and going, Hey, my name's Spike Cohen. You want You want this thing that I have that, that, you know, for me to be able to come and go and for the low, low price of $2,000, like it's, it's not going to work. Right. right so right. I would go in and at that point I was still living with my, with my parents. So I was in a position to be able to say, Hey, you want this thing for free? Worst case scenario, you don't like it. I can take it down or just leave it up and it's free. And almost everyone said, yeah. I mean, I, even with that, I had a few people go, nah, it's okay. I don't, I don't, right. I don't even know what you're talking about. So even with that, that, that goes to show you what my market value was at that time. Most people weren't, you know, they were willing to do it for free or for next to nothing. But then once I had a portfolio and within a year or so, and that was, this would have been, you know, 99 uh, beginning of 2000, as people were realizing that, yeah, this was the future. This mm-hmm. is how, not just this was important, but this was the most important way for me to be able to move forward as a business. Uh, so it was two things happening. One was me building up my market value by building up my portfolio. And the other thing was the market maturing enough to realize that this disruptive way of reaching clients and reaching customers was the way moving forward and would only continue to be more so, you know, more a, a bigger and bigger share of what they'd be spending on marketing. Um, so that by the time I was established, 
the market realized that most, if not all of their money uh, should be going into various forms of online marketing. And that, that the core of that is your, the thing you have immediate control over your website, your social media, your search engine presence, and your ability to, you know, reach people in, in different markets. Um, so that was sort of my introduction to it. Um, but it was, you know, I, I didn't have a, I wasn't, you know, an early, you know, a teenager reading Rothbard or anything like that. That all came later. Uh, but I had just sort of an intuitive concept of the fact that people weren't going to be paying me much and that I needed to build up a portfolio. And so what I say to people who are starting in this, in any business, mm -hmm. you have to be a little humble starting off unless you're in so disruptive of a market or you're just so incredibly talented that you can just start charging what, what most people charge right off the bat even then it probably makes sense. You're, you're, you're going to have to probably charge a lot less than market value starting off. And that's good for you because ultimately it's free advertising. The best way you can grow your, your business is through word of mouth and referrals. It's, refer, it's money that's coming in that you didn't have to pay for. All you had to do initially was just offer it for less than you would like to. Um, and that gets your name out there, that gets your foot in the door. And then you can eventually be able to charge, not just charge market value, but eventually reach a point where you're not even doing most of the work. Uh, it depends on the business you're getting into, but you could eventually just have other people doing that and you're just out there selling it. But you have to start a little more humble than you may want to. And it, it was easy for me to be humble as a teenager. If I were starting now, it would be the same thing. Yeah, that, that's much the way we started too. I think we were we were charging less than other architects. As a matter of fact, we put out a, a, a Craigslist ad and said, we actually went fee fishing, uh, which kind of brings me back to my question to you. Is So when did you, how did you, did you, how did you decide on that initial number? Was it talking with other, co other colleagues, maybe competitors, or, or was it just, this is what I feel like I should be worth. And this is what I want to make, you know, per hour. If I just, if I lay out a website for somebody. Right. Yeah. My initial number was zero. So <laughs> it came about because I didn't want to pay them to, to have me make a website. Uh, I was just saying, Hey, listen, you want a free website? Mm -hmm. uh, all to, over time, it, it kind of went up somewhat organically where it was like, okay, you want it for, here's my cost plus a hundred bucks. Uh, and then, you know, we want it plus 200. And then eventually what I was doing was just, I, I guess the, 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 the answer to your question, once I was actually charging something close to market value, uh, I was really just looking at competitors and seeing what uh -huh. they were charging and seeing who the, who the, cause I mean, there were people charging at that time, the disparity in what people were charging was all over the place. You'd have someone saying, uh, I'll make your website for 900 bucks. And then you'd have someone else saying, I'll make your website pretty much the same thing for $10,000. It was so new that people exactly. didn't really even know what to charge. There's still some disparity there, but nothing mm -hmm. like it was back then. It was absurd. It would be like going to one car dealership and the car's like 1500 bucks and you go to another car dealership, the exact same car is like 50 grand. I mean, it was, it was incredible. I tended to always go somewhat to the lower end of whatever that equilibrium was. Uh, and towards the end, I wasn't really going on the lower end because I, I actually had more work. I was actually having to uh, package out work uh, to others that I just didn't have more than I knew what to deal with until I eventually decided to get into libertarian messaging. Um, but so, you know, that, that's really uh, how I got there. But I, I would say it was more intuitively seeing what others were charging, who were the most successful and seeing what that equilibrium was. I also had an increasing number of clients who would come to me and say, I want this and I want to pay this much for it. And they were often offering more than I was going to ask for initially. So. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. yeah well, be well, like, talent speaks you know, for I'm, itself. I'm not paying a penny over this. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you've really twisted my arm there. You know, maybe I should have negotiated with them even higher, but 
if you come in higher than I wanted, then I'm, I'm not. Yeah. Not yeah. <laughs> well, honesty, right? I mean, it's at a certain point, right? Everybody's honest, honest people do the best, I think anyway. Um, so uh, talk about a little bit more web design and marketing and, and they obviously go hand in hand, right? Your web, mm-hmm. is, you kind of touched on this already about your, at this point, you got to have a website. If you're gonna have a business, if you don't have a website, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Yeah. You have to have um, so in addition to learning web design, how did you learn marketing? Like it was, how did that come naturally to you? So the marketing end was actually more natural to me. I'm a natural sales and marketer. So that intuitively, it was, it was the coding and the design part that I'm like, ah, that I would, you know, and I, I figured it out. I was able to, to figure out how to make a decent website before I finally had others who were far more uh, 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 schooled in, 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 you know, how to do the more complex stuff as it became more and more complex on the actual back end of the design aspect of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, the marketing and more intuitively makes sense to me. What do people see when they see your site? What are they looking for uh, when they're looking for your business? What are they searching for? Uh, and then with social media, how it, who, are you, who do you need to reach in your targeted ads and, in, and organically in your growth? What's going to get people who are already in your network of people that have liked your content to share it with others to get them to, to you know, engage in it? And so all of that was always a little bit more intuitive than the, I guess the design end of it was, it was more the, uh, you know, the, the, how to reach people with it. So I was very happy as, because long before social media came around, there was search engine optimization and that's where I really got ahead because other people could make websites that were every bit as good as mine, but I could get them to rank number one on Google and they couldn't, uh, or they could, but only briefly and only on a couple of things. I could have it where they were ranking number one across the board because we were, I was doing the deep dives into how to do the SEM, how to do the, uh, you know, how to do the marketing, how to do the research on the marketing. What are people searching for? And I always did white hat. I never got into the, you know, uh, I think the worst thing I ever did was I created a Reddit account that would share my websites uh, when it came, first came out. That was like literally the worst thing I did in terms of link building or anything else. Uh, and even that I'm a little ashamed of. Um, but so, you know, but, but other than that, I always did the, the, the top end stuff. I always did the, the white hat stuff to, to get people out there because A, I knew that it was more ethical and B, I knew that when Google would inevitably and Yahoo and the rest of them would inevitably change their algorithms to try to punish that kind of bad behavior, I was already in a good position uh, of, of, with my websites of marketing. Um, but that was always sort of my bread and butter was saying to people, I can make you this beautiful website. You can have all the bells and whistles in the world, but it, it's funny because I haven't said this stuff in years now. I'd say, you know, I can, I can make this website, got all the bells and whistles, whistles in the world, but if they can't find you on Google, then I might as well, it'd be like me building you this beautiful business and this beautiful, uh, you know, building and, and with all these beautiful signs uh, and putting it out in the middle of a national park with no roads to it and not, never telling anyone that it's there. It's just going to wither on the vine there. It's all going to fall apart, go into disrepair. The trees are going to grow up and it'll be like it was never there 20, 30 years from now. Um, and so I would say that. And I would say, you know, the most important thing is getting you on the search engine. When people search for what you do in your area, or if you're an online business, just what you do, you need to come up number one, and you need to come up with a compelling and engaging argument that's going to get them to actually go and find out more. Um, and that was, that was my bread and butter. Yeah, you are a salesman. I mean, I could feel it. I could feel it coming back out again, Spike. It is. Sure. It's funny talking about it because I, I haven't it. said this stuff in. I'm now selling liberty. Basically, I'm yeah. selling the ideas of of you know taking uh, the power out of the hands of the Republicans and Democrats, putting it back in the people where it belongs. And so that's what I'm saying all the time. Now I'm doing my stuff about why you should rank number one on Google and all that. It's funny. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? You, you kind of touched on this too about the rise of social media and. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is another web page, right? Essentially, when you if you boil it down to like yeah, if you have that, a, yeah, own, it's a website, yeah, right. 
what do you what do you think separates i mean at this point what do you think what do you think makes a successful marketing strategy considering the rise of social media compared to your web page or do they go hand in hand and they should should they work in tandem they have to work completely in tandem your entire online uh, uh presence needs to be intuitive it needs to be and when i say uniform i don't mean it has to look exactly the same although there is obviously some continuity you want to have some congruency you want to have there but it needs to have an actual strategy and the strategy is that your social media your search engine marketing all of that needs to feed back into what you have control over which is your website you don't, if there are ads there it's because you put them there if there are you know links to other stuff it's because you put it there you always want to lead capture but depending on what you do for a, for a living you may have to build some community before you can do the lead capture and that that depends entirely on what it is you're offering. So for example, if you're, if you're uh, you know, a restaurant or something like that, it's important to have the, the website because you want to have them, you know, uh, uh, you know, see your menu and, and, and see, you know, upcoming promotions and things you have, but you can also lean more on the social media for that. Cause a lot of people aren't uncomfortable are, aren't very comfortable leaving the social media unless they absolutely have to. Um, so there's a lot of stuff you could do, for example, for a restaurant that's just social media with the idea that it's also on your website and you can get them to, to share that with people. So now people are going outside, you've actually lead captured them. And if you have like some kind of system of being able to, you know, take orders, you know, right now with the pandemic, more and more people are just wanting it to be you know, brought to them uh, or, uh, you, know, the, the, you know, whatever else, uh, curbside uh, pickup or whatever else you can do that through your website and everything. So it's good for that. But then if you're doing something like, like web design or like something where you're really trying to get them in to contact you for more information so that you can sell your services to them. It's crucial to have that as lead capture. The purpose of search engine marketing is get their attention. Get their attention. Have them, they're looking for what you do and if it's localized, what you do in your area and so that they go to you. Social media is about telling them what you do. It's about all of that as well. But it's less so that someone is going to Facebook and saying, I'm looking for someone who can paint houses in La Jolla, California. It's it's not that. It's you are sharing content and building community to try to get people into hearing about what it is that you do. And so it always has to be the most important thing. Any kind of marketing is try your best or hire someone who's able to try their best to figure out take themselves out of your role. You're not the owner of your company. You're someone who is looking for your services, knows nothing about you, does not care mm -hmm. even the least bit about you. They don't care if your company exists. If it doesn't exist, if you go out of business, if you become a billionaire, they don't care. Um, they just want someone to paint their house in La Jolla or, or they want a restaurant in Myrtle Beach or whatever. Um, you have to really look at how are they seeing this? What is the natural flow of action from them first seeing me on search engine, social media, my website, whatever, and from them going from that, what is the journey that they will need to take to go from that to saying, I'm going to hire that person to paint my house, or I'm going to go there because their hot dogs sound amazing, or I'm going to go, you know, whatever. Uh, you have to take them on that journey. Some people, it's intuitive to them. Some people, they have to hire someone like me. But the, 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 the short answer, I have no short answers. The short answer is <laughs> it has to be, in, it has to have a congruence and it has to have a set flow of action from someone who first hears about you to someone who is actually signing on the dotted line uh, to actually contract or, you know, consume your services. Yeah, it's about building a story brand. 
I mean, yes. that's the way I think about it a hundred percent. And there's a, yeah. there's a couple podcasts, there's a book about the whole thing mm-hmm. like that. I, th- I would recommend that for everybody. Uh, what do you think, what do you, if you could sum it up and then I want to get into some of the LP stuff as, at the, as we, as we uh, tune out here in the last 10 minutes. Um, okay. But before we get into that, what, what is the biggest lesson you, you think you learned growing your business like you did? The biggest, see, it's always the ones that you wouldn't expect to be the gotcha question that, that, that makes me, it's the ones that make me like reflect on uh, something I haven't really thought of. Biggest lesson I learned, um, it's one that I took, uh, which is if you have a great idea and you think it's going to make money and you think that it's something that's really going to, you know, innovate and provide value to customers and make you wealthy or make you, you know, well off as a result, do it do it. Just start doing it. Even if, even if you're in a financial situation where you have to keep some other job and do this as your side hustle, do it, do it immediately. Uh, the people that are telling you that you, you know, maybe we need to wait or whatever, just start doing it. Even if doing it right now just looks like getting all of your ducks in a row and, you know, and, and getting ready to to pull the trigger when you're ready, go ahead and start doing it. Because we often, when we have some level of security outside of what we're doing and we go, well, I got this job and it's good or whatever. I'll do that when the time comes, the time will never come. Do it just do it. Just go ahead and start doing it. I did it. I was 16. Uh, I was about to turn 17. Um, it was either that or go to college. And my parents were saying, you should go to college. And other people were saying, you can start a business. You don't have any money. And, and you know, it, and, and so there, there, I mean, I will say my parents were supportive. Some of my friends were definitely supportive, but there were a lot of people who were like, if I hadn't done it, no one would have held it against me, I guess is the way I'm trying to say it. I did it. I just went ahead and did it. I had the brashness of a teenager to think I even could do such a thing. Um, we often get disabused of that brashness over time. So if you're not still a teenager and you're, you're, you're you know, kind of second guessing and contemplating, just go ahead and do it. Go ahead and get started. The worst thing that can happen is it didn't work, but you tried and you knew that you tried and you might even learn some things from that that you can try for the next thing because you're not static. You can constantly learn. So just do it. Just try to do it. Yeah, I love that. That's perfect. Um, okay, prior to being nominated as uh, as the LP's vice presidential candidate, mm-hmm. uh, you were running with Vermin Supreme. I'm a big Vermin Supreme fan. Just for yeah, the for everybody Vermin listening Supreme. who doesn't know, because uh, not everybody's a libertarian who's listening. Uh, that's the guy with the boot on his head, who, if elected, would give you free ponies. Free ponies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you guys got a ton of media attention with that campaign. Mm-hmm. Tell oh, us yeah. about the strategy you used. Vermin Supreme has come up with an incredible way to reach people who have zero interest in politics. They are so disgusted with the way things are in this country and they recognize, they intuitively recognize that the government is out to get them. All politicians lie to them. No matter what any politician, any Republican or Democrat says to them, it's all lies. Once they get into office, they all do the same thing. They're all on the same side and they're all against us and I just want to stay out of it. Those are very libertarian reasons that they have to stay out of politics. And if we could reach them, they could become libertarians. They could understand that we actually are proposing common sense solutions that will fix that and make it so that we're not lying and it's that so that the system is designed to serve people and puts the power back in their hands where it belongs but they don't want to hear from any of us if i show up and I go hi i'm spike cohen and i'd like to talk with you about radical self-ownership they don't want to hear any of it they don't want to hear anything from anyone but someone like a vermin supreme who's being so funny and so absurd and so out there that they don't think for a second that they have a serious political message they're just entertained. This is crazy. Who is this guy? This is hilarious, right? And so now they're paying attention. Their cognitive defenses are going down. Yes. That's the most important part because now a politician is not pandering to them or lying to them or challenging their beliefs. A funny guy is saying funny things to them and he's making fun of that system that they think is so stupid to begin with. And over time, as they come to love and, and trust this guy who's so funny and has such a great message, 
And they start to wonder what that underlying belief is. What, what is it that moves this guy? He's, he's clearly not crazy. What is it that's moving him? What is this about? And that's when he's able to hit them with the libertarian message. And so, you know, he's able to reach people. Uh, he's done an incredible job bringing thousands of people to the liberty movement. Uh, so we are very grateful. Uh, Vermin is a friend and I'm grateful for his friendship and I'm grateful for everything he is doing for the party and the movement. And I'm very grateful for everything he is doing uh, to help Joe and I in our run to propose common sense libertarian solutions to the problems that have been created by Republicans and Democrats in their 160 year plus reign of terror of having control of every lever of power in government for over 160 years. And that's what Joe Jorgensen and I propose to dismantle in favor of giving the power back to the people where it belongs. Yeah, Ver, that you nailed it on the head with Vermin. I think I've met Vermin multiple times. Oh, okay. And 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 he he takes his. That's exactly what it is. Your guard is taken down, and all yeah. of a sudden, all of a sudden, you're just like it. I mean, you're just open. You're just open to dialogue, and you want to engage with him. Yep. And he's a very intelligent man. I think he's that's one of the things I, I really want to point out to everybody is that take the appearance aside that that guy knows exactly what he's talking about with freedom and liberty and just self-ownership all day long. And that entire thing, the ponies, the, you know, the big beard, the boot, all of that is in, in, intensely and intuitively designed to get your attention and pull you out of the morass of, oh, it's yet another politician. It's intuitively designed for you to realize this is someone who's making fun of the you know reporter who is trying to ask him serious political questions, and he's talking about ponies and zombies and, and killing baby Hitler and all that stuff. It's, it's intended. It is intended to make that media and the government that it feeds off of look as foolish as it tries to make us out to be. It puts the joke. We are being treated to a cynical joke where we are the punchline and it's not funny. And he turns around on them and people intuitively get that that's what this guy is doing. And they love him for it. And they're, they find it hilarious. They think it's so funny. And then they, get, they reach the message. And so we're grateful for everything he's doing mm-hmm. for this campaign, for the movement, for the party. Um, and this is, you know, this is a serious campaign on serious issues to serious problems that they face. And we are using every single way to reach everyone across the political spectrum, including the 40 plus percent of eligible voters who don't vote or participate in the system. We want to bring them back in because they're the ones who recognize the most that this system was designed against them. And we propose to change that. That's what Joe Jorgensen and I are fighting for every single day. Yeah. And so speaking of people that probably haven't heard um, your guys' message before, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on is there's a, mm-hmm. this is a business podcast. Um, so for those business owners listening who, who know nothing about libertarianism, mm-hmm. um, why would electing libertarians help their business? And what is the difference between the libertarian party and the other two parties? The other two parties are the ones who have imposed the taxes and the regulations and the licensing requirements and the uh, the various tariffs and taxes and fees and fines and everything else that make it so hard for us to operate our businesses and to grow them. And the reason they're doing that is because they want to keep you down. The billionaire cronies that hand those craven pandering politicians that they have bought and sold and put in office, handing them that legislation, handing the regulators that come in and out uh, go in between the regulatory bodies and into the mega billion corporations in and out in a, in a revolving door. They hand them the regulations. They put all of these things in place in order to keep you down and keep you from being able to innovate and grow because for no other reason, they know what it does, the damage it does to you and your business. They know the damage it does to the market. They know the damage it does to the people that you want to employ for job growth. They know all the damage it does and they do it anyway. You know why? 
because they want you to stay small so that you can't grow and disrupt the market and threaten their market share. It is literally about keeping them wealthy, not by providing goods and services and giving value to the market, but by keeping everyone else down in this cynical ploy to basically disrupt and, and, and suppress the entire rest of the market for their own benefit and to the direct harm of every single one of us. Republicans and Democrats are a creation of that system. They work together and keep us divided so that we can't step back and realize, wait a second, these people are telling us that they're fighting, but they're working together to harm all of us. They're working together to keep these mega billionaires wealthy at our expense. Libertarians propose dismantling all of that, getting rid of all of those taxes and regulations and burdens and licensing fees and fines and everything else that are put in place to make it harder for you. We want to remove all of that, put the power back in your hand, put the wealth back in your hand so that you can thrive in ways that are almost unimaginable now, so that you can grow and create jobs in ways that don't even seem possible right now, so that you can benefit and profit and be able to, you know, create, uh, you know, if you're like most uh, entrepreneurs, making money is not your only concern. You have the stuff you want to be able to contribute to, ways you want to help your community, ways you want to build up your community, ways you want to give back to those who have less. You'll be able to do all of those things once the libertarians have gotten into office and removed the Republican barriers that have been put in place for no other reason than to keep you small and low to the benefit of the billionaire cronies that have put them in office. That is what Joe Jorgensen and I are fighting for. And if you want your business to grow, if you want the barriers that have been removed, uh, that have been put in place to be removed so that you can thrive in ways that seem unimaginable now, then I invite you to vote for me and Joe Jorgensen. I invite you to go to JoeJ2020.com. That's J-O-J-2020.com and sign up to join our volunteer team. If you're able to make a contribution, we'd greatly appreciate it. We have a donate button there. If you would like to share our content on social media, you can find Joe Jorgensen and Spike Cohen on, uh, on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. I'm on TikTok. You can find me on TikTok. Probably your kids are going to find me on TikTok, but um, you know you can find us everywhere on social media. Share our content. Tell your colleagues and your friends and your loved ones why you're a libertarian, why you support what we're doing. Uh, we're trying to set America free and remove the barriers that the Republicans and their cronies and their bureaucrats have put in place for no other reason than to keep us down. And we're going to remove those things so that the power is back in our hands. We like to say in this campaign, you are the power. We want to put the power back in your hands so that you can thrive in ways that they would have never allowed you to. That's what we fight for every day. And with your support and your vote this November, that's exactly what we will do. And Lance, I greatly appreciate your time and thank you for having me on. Thanks. Thanks so much for being on, Spike. One last thing. Where can people follow you specifically on social media before you take off? Sure. So Facebook, uh, if you type in Spike Cohen, I'm there. Uh, the address is facebook.com slash literally Spike Cohen. Uh, on Twitter, I am at real Spike Cohen. On TikTok, I am at literally Spike Cohen. Uh, on Instagram, I am literally Spike Cohen. Um, on uh, YouTube, I am Spike Cohen. Uh, and uh, and if you go to joj2020.com, that's our, our website for our campaign. But that's, that's how you can reach us. Awesome. Thanks again, buddy. Talk to Thank you. you, Lance. Have a, great, have a great rest of your evening. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, don't forget to leave us a five-star review on the iTunes app. Tip your barista. And we'll see you next week for more Monday morning coffee with Inside the Firm.